With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've had so many people say, oh, I had bad credit. I just have bad credit. Well, you'll stay having bad credit if you don't do anything. Hey there, Future Rich fam. This is Amy, the editor of the podcast, and I'd love to introduce you to today's guest, Jeannie Kelly. She's a highly sought-after credit coach, healthy credit expert, motivational speaker, and author of The Credit Training and Credit Makeover. She's also the founder of The Kelly Group. In this episode, we talk about Jeannie's career and how she's helped thousands transform their credit health and reshape their financial status by providing accessible information, digestible content, and high-level accountability. Jeannie's mission is to help others receive the credit education they deserve so they can live life by design and not dictated by their poor credit choices. We really hope you enjoy this episode, and please don't forget to give us a rating and a review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this episode. It really helps us out. Thanks so much. Well, I'm so excited to chat with you this morning. I'm excited to be here. Great way to start the week. Absolutely. And I found I didn't realize we had so much in common coming from the same area. I know. I know. Well, it's great that we were introduced by Frank so hard to find such a talented accountant. Yes, a hundred percent. No, I know it. So yeah, it was great. He reached out and then I was so impressed by everything you have done and excited to keep following you and seeing what's next. But how did you get involved? Like future rich, tell me about it. To start at the very beginning, I went and worked on Wall Street because I was always really interested in finance. And I thought that would be, I always, I don't know why, but I always like to think what's the hardest path we could go down. And that's the one I want to <laughs> attempt. Okay. And so I thought working on a trading floor would be the hardest path. And so that's what I did. I was an equity derivatives broker for Bloomberg. They had an uh, agency brokerage. I sold equity derivative algorithms for them. Then I moved to Credit Suisse, sold equity derivative algorithms for them. And then my dad and my aunt were selling their business. And it was my sister's idea. My sister was like, why don't you buy the business? You're so good at personal finance. You help everybody with their money on the side. Like you help me, you help my roommate, you help people at work, you help people at your last company. Why don't you do this for a living? And I was like, well... I already had a really good job at a big firm making a really good amount of money, more money than I ever thought I'd make and more money than the company made. Ooh, yeah. Nice. So I was like, why would I go buy a company that makes less money than I make? That doesn't make any financial sense. And she's like, right, but you could buy it and you could do more with it. Like with all the things you're good at. And she said to me, you don't actually like options. She's like, you don't wake up in the morning and you're not like excited to sell algos. And I was like, well, no, I, I mean, I can be, I am. I, and she's like, you actually like personal finance. Like that's what you're, you're willing to meet someone for a coffee on a Sunday 
to talk about their student loans. Like you really, really have a passion for it. And she said, the worst thing is if, if it doesn't work out, you can always go back to an investment bank. There's plenty of them. They're not going anywhere. But if, you know, our aunt and our father sell the business, that's it. That's the one. Once they sell it, you can't go and, and do it three years later. So I was like, well, that's, that's true. So she convinced me. And I think this kind of helped. It was after Sandy. And so the commute times were really, really long because the infrastructure had taken such a hit. So I had really long hours to begin with. But then because of all the disruption of Sandy, because we were considered essential services, so we weren't off for Sandy. Okay. Yeah, because we had generators. Mm-hmm. And obviously trading still has to happen because even though we're based yeah. in New York, trading's happening across the country and the world. So, and the commute times were really long. I think it was taking me like round, I was living in Hoboken. I think I think I was spending around four hours a day commuting and I had a really long work day. They had made a comment that they weren't going to allow you to come in late or early anymore based on the commuting, mm. but it was like, well, the train isn't running yet. So I was standing at the corner of my apartment and it was really late and I had just gotten home. And I think I spent two and a half hours waiting in this like Disney world line at Port Authority because the only available thing was the bus and the ferry. And I was like, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe I don't want to spend four to five hours. And eventually that was going to be fixed, but we didn't know at the time, no one knew when things were going to be fixed from Sandy. So yeah, so I took the leap and I bought the business and you know, as owning a business is really hard. Yes. Yeah, totally. And you wearing more than one hat, you're Mm -hmm. wearing a lot of hats. I wrote an article, I think this was in one of it, and maybe MSNBC or CNBC, but about how I was always getting confused for being the assistant or the secretary. Uh, well, I was, I was 28 when I bought the business mm-hmm. and there just w- weren't a lot of young females in the industry. And I also felt like people my age, other women were coming to me because they wanted to talk to somebody who would understand where they were coming from and maybe looked like them rather than going to an older person who might not understand their specific scenario or talk down to them or feel judged. And so there wasn't really a great place for what I felt like were my peers, other women of my age who were looking for maybe not a financial advisor at the time because they didn't need one, but financial literacy, like to learn. And so from that, I developed Future Rich and that I did while building the wealth management firm. I did that nights and weekends. And I actually still do it. That's awesome. Nights and weekends. And I do feel a lot of times people are afraid. We're afraid, like, where do we begin? And Mm -hmm. when you think of the traditional go to a financial advisor or something like that, you're thinking, well, I need a lot of money. Correct. And so what about when you're just starting out and you are making money, but you just don't know what to do? It's a lost feeling. So knowing that you have this business, I mean, that's great for all my listeners because they're searching for people like you, you know, it's. You don't know where you're going to start. Most people in the very beginning just need education. You, mm-hmm. you don't need somebody to, maybe you don't even have any accounts to manage. And honestly, if it's a really, really good advisor, like what my minimum is now is very different than what it is 10 years ago, right? Because mm-hmm. I only have so much time. So I just can't take every single person, even as much as I want to. Right. I only have so many hours in the day. And so you you just move upstream. And so then your minimum is 100,000 and then it gets to a million dollars, right? Because yes. I only have so many hours in the day. So that's why Future Rich has been wonderful because when people come to me and say, well, I just need to know the difference between like a Roth and an IRA, I just don't know where to start. I'm like, we have an online class. We have over 200 episodes. We have topic specific episodes. Like we have all these resources online that are available at the time that's convenient for you, right? Because depending on your work schedule, maybe Saturday and Sunday is convenient to learn this. Right. It might not be Monday through Friday, nine to five. Right. 
Yes. Maybe you want to watch a video. Maybe you want to listen. So we have really uh, a lot of resources available because I think the first thing you need to do with your personal finances, no matter where you are, is, and I'm sure you feel this way about credit, is you have to educate yourself. Yes, you have to educate yourself. And it's so funny that you're saying that because that's almost my business model. Same thing happened, right? That there are only so many hours in the day. Mm -hmm. I only can help so many people within that time. And yep. that's why I built the online classroom, wrote the books so it can fit in anyone's budget and in their time. Because you are right. It is a lot. Like they're fitting in 20 minutes after work, before yeah. work or on the weekends. And it's not the nine to five. And it so it works out beautiful. I love that. Yeah, it works out great. You have a very interesting background. So tell me how you got started at this. Well, I was uh, married at 21. At 25, I had my daughter. And at 26, we separated. So I dropped out of college during this time and everything. So I really had no direction. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I didn't even really probably know who I was yet, yeah. right? Yeah, 21 so, is young. I know. I know. So I have the blessing of my beautiful daughter, Cassandra, and all is good. You know, we were young and uh, parted ways. But during that time, I wasn't paying attention to credit. So when it was time to leave the house, no one would have rented to me because my credit was so bad. And I just didn't know. And I was lucky that my parents, we live in upstate New York, mm -hmm. and my parents had a farm and there was a summer guest cottage. But the oh. thing is, I had to move in in the winter. <laughs> so, you know, was it, did it have water? Because sometimes it they... did have. It had okay. water. Yes, it had water, but the pipes would freeze constantly. Yeah, that's exactly. Okay. You know, and it only had electric heat because it was really not to be used in, in the, the winter. winter. And so the ice was on the inside of the windows. Oh, I no. Cassandra like scratching the ice. But, you know, there was a roof over our heads. Yeah. And I was waitressing at the time. When you're waitressing, people are usually there to have a good time. And it was for banquets. So I'm a beautiful family I worked with. And so it was great. I just was working and trying to figure out my credit along the way. And what mm -hmm. I realized is no one could help me. Like there right. was no information. So we're going back over 20 years ago, where now I'm happy to see more talk about credit, you know, turn on a commercial and hear about your credit score. Back then it wasn't like that, but they were still trying to approve you or decline you over your score, but there was no information. So it was really hard. And once you work on your credit. I wish I could have had someone help me because you're usually bringing up all the bad ass. I got a divorce. You know, I have no money. I'm living they not checked, even yeah. check to pay. Negative. Negative. Right. And I love the book, uh, The Power of Broke by Damon John. And I always say I was broker than broke that because I was in the red. It was really bad. So just by doing this, and it did take years because sometimes you think you're doing something that makes sense doesn't because it's just the wrong rule in the credit world. So you'd make a mistake after working so hard and your score would drop by, and you're thinking you're doing the right thing, but there was no, there's, there's no handbook on this. Right. Right. So that's when I said, um, actually the owner of the restaurant, Jimmy, he was like, you can't do this forever, Jeannie. And I didn't ever think like, I was just trying to make it every day. And when I thought about it, I thought, but I love credit. I love figuring out this puzzle. And I think since I'm fixing my, I can help others. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was like my aha moment. And I just decided at that time, 
my daughter and I, we were living here in New York, but I wanted change. I didn't want everyone to be labeling me as, mm -hmm. you know, didn't go to college, single mom, right. waitress. So we picked up and went, believe it or not, we picked up and went to Connecticut, not that far, stayed away. But I did that because because of those reasons. And I wanted to go where I felt there was money that I could get clients to pay me. Yeah. If you're running a business, you need to have clients that can afford to pay. Right. So, I mean, really it was sitting around. That's a bold move. <laughs> I know. I know. I had $125 after paying, like getting into the apartment and paying the rent and $125 left. That was for food, everything. Now I did know I could always go back to the restaurant on a weekend, right? right? I knew I could do that, but I figured, let's see, you know, what can happen. And the day Cassandra went on the school bus for kindergarten was the day I drove to get my DBA and I started making phone calls that day. And I just did not stop. It's so impressive because you know, the statistics on small business. So only 25% of small businesses make it 10 years. Mm. And then only 2% of female-owned businesses break seven figures. But when you do it, and you know, some people will say, oh, you can't just say that. But I really do feel, do what you love and the money flows. Mm -hmm. And do the right thing. I'm not saying you sit around and the money. I'm saying work really hard at yep. your passion. Everyone thought I was crazy, Barbara, too. Like, I look back when they were like, you're leaving the restaurant where you're the a good manager. Pay. Yeah, and, good job. You, yeah, and you are a mother. You're the financial support for her. Like, what are you thinking? If it doesn't work, I'm like, well, if it doesn't work, I'll come back, you know? So, mm -hmm. I, but I didn't want to be stuck. You know, I didn't want that. I did always feel, even though I did not love school and things like that, I remember going to the guidance counselor. My brother always knew he wanted to be an artist. My sister always knew she wanted to be a professor. And then there was me. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I just want to make money. They're like, right. well, that's not how it works, Jeannie. They yeah. didn't say, well, maybe think of a business. Or they just were like, no, no, no. Maybe go into childcare. And I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> but that's what happened. You know, someone's trying to give you those labels. And I just wanted to try something different. And when you hit rock bottom like that, and you know you have no money, but you're looking to me, my, my why and my star was Cassandra. And I just said, my mom put me on the bus every day and took me off. My dad was an iron worker out of Manhattan. And I wanted to somehow balance this to be the mom, mm -hmm. but also financially support her. And I thought I would be so rich if I could make 5,000 a month. I was like, if I can make 5,000 a month, that pays a car payment, that pays, you know, yep. rent, rent, plenty of extra. And that was my goal. I also think what's really impressive, and I think that is the work ethic and the grit, right? That you said, like, I could always work weekends. Like if it wasn't working, I could, oh, because I think that a lot of people don't realize the sacrifice and the work that goes into getting a business, you know, and I didn't start mine. I bought mine and mine was revenue positive when I bought it, but it, it could not support the lifestyle that I was used to when I left Credit Suisse. Like I was taking a significant pay cut to run it and to pay all the bills and everything. But it, there's so much sacrifice. And I also was a waitress in college and in the city. And my thought always was, well, the worst case scenario is I just get a waitressing job right. to supplement. But I think a lot of people aren't willing or don't 
glamorize running a business. And I think you have to be willing to make those sacrifices and say, okay, I really want this to work. But if it's not working, then I will go work a night or weekend job to make it work. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I did this and I did dive quickly into that, but you could do it the opposite too. You could start something slowly on the side while you have your main job, you know, it's what works for you, but that is what worked for me. I remember the phone calls being hung up on me all day long. The worst were knocking on doors and having the doors slammed in your face. Today, I still feel the breeze from that. You're just trying so hard. And then they ask you, how long have you been in business? And again, I was young. So at the time I was 29 and it was like, well, I helped myself. This is how I got into it. And I told the exact same story. And then one day, this gentleman, I was leaving messages on his phone all the time because it was the yellow page days and I'd start in mortgages. Atlantic National was the company. So A at the top. So it was almost like every three days I started at the top, different people in the office. I'd leave a message. Now, again, I don't know who owns it, who's the, what their jobs are. I'm just dialing different divisions. And um, this gentleman, Mike Diversa picked up and he's like, oh no, I picked up the wrong line. And he's like, oh, that's so rude of me. You're a genie and I have a gene who's my client waiting on another line. And I said, oh, okay. It's okay. He goes, no, you know what? You've got me on the phone. You've been leaving messages. What is it? What can I do for you? And I just said, I can help you close more loans. If someone has a credit issue, Don't just ignore the issue. I'm here to help the solution. And he said, I actually have one of my phone calls is with someone that I've worked three times already with. They have a problem on their credit report. I don't even understand how this is happening. I'll let them know. But I'm just going to say, I don't know you, but you are persistent because I was leaving (laughs) those messages. So anyway, this gentleman did become my client. And then when I went into Michael's office, I realized not only he was the owner of the company, He was the number one mortgage office in the state of Connecticut and eight in the United States. So I hit it big right away. But you hit it big because you called every single person (laughs) in the yellow pages (laughs) every three days. That's where I think, you know, the grit and the hustle comes in, even though some people don't like those words, but like you got lucky because you put the work in. If you weren't doing the work, you wouldn't have been lucky. Right, exactly. And, you know, it is hard getting hung up on or yelling But I just always looked at it as a numbers game. I realized after a while, okay, I make these 50 phone calls. I'm going to speak to only four to seven people and I'll probably maybe land one account. Mm -hmm. So if you just keep doing that every day, you can keep build a business. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's amazing. Okay. So you went after the mortgage companies basically and said instead of declining someone or not giving them a loan because of the credit issue send them my way and I'll fix them right if we can you know yeah if we can yeah yeah and a lot is just like you said it's education it's saying hey pay these balances down or you need more credit you know there's so much to the credit report a lot of times everyone's like oh you're a genie you know make the magic wand and have my credit you know go into the 800s it's not that There's a lot of work into it and it took time for the damage to happen. It's going to take us time for the to to repair. Right. So it just all depends though. You know, after, after working in this industry so long, I can look at a report. I can see things that other people can't see, but that's why I love it. What do you think are the biggest mistakes or misconceptions about credit? I think one thing is that people are afraid 
to use credit, right? I mm -hmm. say credit can save you money, not cost you money. And when I say that, people are always like, well, that's not true. Yes, it's so true. Because if you use credit cards as tools, just mm -hmm. to build a great foundation on your credit report to show a good payment history and keep the balances low, when it's time for a major purchase, like a home, then you yep. can save a lot of money on that interest rate. And not only that, maybe the options of how much to put down. And then there's things like PMI insurance. I'm not a lender, mm -hmm. but these are, you know, things that- Yeah, I these know. are all real costs. And if you yeah. don't have enough to put down, you're going to be paying PMI. And if you're not putting enough down because you have credit issues and you're getting charged more on other parts of your net worth or other right. areas, then you don't have as much saved for the, yeah, it just, all these different fees add up. Right. So I think education is the number one and they're afraid to look at their credit report. I've had so many people say, oh, I had bad credit. I just have bad credit. Well, you'll stay having bad credit if you don't do anything, you know? So I think looking at your credit report is something so important and it's for free and it doesn't hurt your credit score when you look at your credit report. So, and you get a free credit report every year. Well, here's the good thing. So yeah, the interesting thing is the website sponsored by Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax mm -hmm. is called annualcreditreport.com because just like you said, it used to be once a year or when you were declined for credit. But okay. since the pandemic, they're letting oh. you pull your credit report every seven days for free. Oh my God. So that's a big change. It was once yes. a year. Right. So they've changed it. They said they're going to do this until 2024. I think they're going to keep it like this, but we'll see. And everyone will say, Jeannie, do I really need to look at my credit every seven days? You do if you're purchasing a house and you want to see, are those balances paid down? Did that account that didn't belong to me? Is it off my report? I don't want to keep waiting for the mail. Just you go online and you see. Oh, can I ask you a question? This, yeah. this will probably be coming up on the podcast. So we have a woman in a bad situation, took care of her father, and that was helping her pay her rent because she moved him into her apartment and was taking care of him full time as he and he passed away because he was dying. Oh. And now she has had a lot of housing instability up till this point. I think losing her father and having housing is just a bad combination. So she was approved for a mortgage to buy a home and I reviewed her numbers with her and her car payment is $450 a month. Her, her income's 1900. So car payments were 50, insurance is like 150 and gas is 50 just to do round numbers. Okay. So obviously she can't afford the mortgage because of the car. Now you want to spend your money on an appreciating asset, not a depreciating asset. So unless you want to live in the brand new Subaru, my advice was get rid of the car and live in a right. home that you own right. and have housing stability. So they weren't sure if she would get approved for the mortgage if she sold the car and got rid of the loan. So my suggestion was like, well, do whatever the loan officer tells you, but you could get rid of it when you go and put your money down for the down payment. You usually don't have a mortgage payment the first month, right? You pay everything right. up front and it's about a 30-day delay. So I said, just get rid of the car after you close. But as you're pointing out, she might be paying a higher interest rate on right. the mortgage right. because of the loan. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's all about the math. You must love that, right? I love that. <laughs> the math. And there's the calculator, like myfico.com has a calculator and FICO 90% of lenders use yep. that scoring model for uh, your credit score. So doing the math, plugging it in and throwing in like a $300,000 mortgage. And then what are my payments going to be an estimate? And okay. it will show you the different scores. And Oh, that's a great idea. Okay. So oh, I'll have her do fun. that. Yeah. It's you can see. see. Yeah. I would like to thank our podcast partner, AG1. 
the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution to support my immune system as a busy entrepreneur. I drink AG1 first thing in the morning before I even have my coffee, and it makes me feel ready to take on my hectic day. With wedding planning, honeymoon planning, a wealth management company, the podcast, and a renovation project, I need all the support I can get. This has been the best investment into my daily routine and my health with just one scoop in the morning. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash future rich. That's drinkag1.com forward slash future rich. Check it out. Because sometimes people don't think like about it because they just want the home and they're not thinking about the 30 year commitment of that loan and how much more, you know, a couple hundred dollars every single month is a lot of money, you know, every year. And on top of it, like I said, it could be PMI costing them more. Well, and a couple hundred dollars in your retirement account every month could allow you to retire. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big difference. And so how do you feel about this is so popular these days and I finally use my points. I've, I've been hoarding my credit card points. My, I don't know. I've always, I think as I experiencing with the business, not having enough money certain times, you know, in the beginning of a business, mm-hmm. I felt like I've always saved all of my points for that time. If I don't have any money, at least I could take, I don't know. I could fly somewhere. I'm not sure the logic there. You don't fly somewhere if you have no money, but so I finally use all my points, but that's really popular to use credit cards to get the points. How do you feel about those sort of strategies? I think it's great. And that's where I'm saying that credit can save you money for that exact reason. Right now you could use a certain credit card at the gas pump and get money back. And yep. everyone's complaining about prices. You know, you can go to a grocery store and they may give a discount. It can become a full-time job figuring it out. But take the time. We work so hard for our money. Take the time to look at the rewards and pick the Mm -hmm. best options for yourself. And for me, I split up my cards. You know, I want to show variety. I want to show low balances. I want to make sure I'm showing activity. So I may say, well, I know I have to pay my cell bill. So I'll hook that up to one of the credit cards. So I'm paying just a different way to the cell company. Mm-hmm. But I'm choosing, so I'm not saying get into more debt with your credit cards. Just use it for what you already use your the, the cell. It could be the gas. It could be your electric could be hooked up to one. So spread it around and then just pay it that way. And you're going to show good history, activity, and get some rewards out of the deal. Yeah, I will say I saved these points for so long. So I had a million mile, a million points, which oh is a lot of a lot of points. Tremendous. But it paid for basically business class tickets all over for my honeymoon. So it was a a nice way to use it because I know exactly what it's going for. Yeah. Well, Barbara, let me ask you, how did you learn about credit? I really had to think about how did I learn about credit? So my first credit card was with my father. He owned, obviously owned the business. So I had an emergency card. I found out really quickly that Patty, who is this amazing... At the time, she was called the secretary, but she really was like an office manager. She ran it. I think I used it at the Gap, which I thought was an emergency. And then (laughs) my dad came home with the credit card bill and it was highlighted. And he was like, Patty wants to know what these charges, not me, Patty wants to know what these charges are. This is an emergency card. Oh, So that was through my dad. And then I got my own 
credit cards. I went to a football game. I believe it was the Army Navy game in Philadelphia, which is notoriously cold. I was not dressed. I mean, I was wearing a winter jacket, but that is not enough for one of those games. And I think I opened seven credit cards because they were giving out fleece because I was there for Army, fleece Army blankets. (laughs) And I kept coming back and being like, look, I got more blankets. And then I would go and open another card. So I think I opened seven. And so then my dad, who really has taught me a lot about personal finance, was like, we have to close all of these. I wasn't going for credit on anything. So not a great idea. I'm pretty sure that was before the legislation. I think you then had to have an adult sign. There had to be more requirements other than me signing at the age of like, I don't know. 19 or 20. Mm, I was young. One of those accounts stayed on there. I I, I thought I closed everything. And then I went and pulled my credit report one time and I was like, oh, that's that blanket company. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But you know, when you use credit at a young age, like with Cassandra, I wanted her to be using credit. Like when she went to college, I was teaching her about credit a little before then. And then when she was there, because when she got out of college, I didn't want to co-sign for the apartment. I figured she's going to get out let her have a foundation of, you know, with a credit score. I never had a co-sign when it was time for her to buy her car, the apartment. But again, that was education. So she understood credit cards aren't to get you into trouble. Yeah, they're to help you. We just have to educate to turn that around because a lot of people want to say cash is king and, you know, don't use credit. Credit's bad. And that's not true. Then someone's learning about credit at 25 or 26 when they're just getting out of college and then, you know, they could have had all those years of building it. Yeah. Look, I like cash as well, but you have to have credit because that's our system. That's our financial system. So if you don't participate in it, there will be a penalty is the way to look at it. So when you eventually need credit for something, which whether that's a, that could be a utility bill. People don't realize that. Right. It's you don't, you, unless you're going to have your own utilities, you, you need credit for the utility bills. People don't realize that. And for getting an apartment. So my first apartment, my dad did have to co-sign because in New York City, it's 40 times rent Whew. unless you have a co-signer. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's 40. Yeah. 40 times. Right. It, it's an absurd number. People who don't live in New York City never know that it's that high. And so my poor sister who worked in music even though she had built up credit, could never not have a co-signer because she never had the income Mm -hmm. necessary for it. My dad signed for my first one. And then after that, I never needed him again because I did well. (laughs) I had good credit and I was able to make the multiple of income. Right. Which in New York City was was rare. So getting an apartment was, I had good credit, which helped a ton. And I remember I got a really sweet deal in an apartment, which I kept for eight years. And then I gave it to my mentee. We just did a lease change. The apartment was like, between me and her for 13 years. And I remember calling the broker up, a guy at work found it for me. We didn't get to leave the trading floor that often. He found it for me as I called the broker and they were showing it at a time I couldn't go. And I was like, can I come see it? Oh no, typical New Yorker. I said, I'll just give you my credit card. You can just take the deposit. And he was like, that's not how it works. You have to come see it. And I was like, I can't come see it at the time you're showing it because I have a job. I can leave now. We couldn't leave near the end of the day with the market closed. Okay. He was showing at the end of the day and I was like, I can't do it. I was like, so I'm happy. Like if the pictures are accurate, I'm going to, I'll just put it on my Amex. I'll go see it after work when I can. And if your pictures aren't accurate, I'll just call American Express and say it was fraudulent because it is if you're lying. Right. And he was like, well, this is not really how it works. And I was like, look, dude, I want the apartment. I don't have a lot of time. 
And he was like, okay, well, can you come meet me now? It was like lunchtime. And I was like, yeah, I'll come meet you right now. He's like, bring somebody from work to verify your job. I was like, okay. So I grabbed a guy. Yeah. I grabbed a guy off the the desk. We went over, we went up and it was a beautiful apartment. It turned out it was like near Trader Joe's, which is like a win in New York city. It had a washer (laughs) dryer. It had windows. Yeah, it had a one bedroom. Now, mind you, you couldn't open the door all the way when you put a bed in there, which I didn't know, but that's okay. It still had a door. And so I said to him, okay, I'll take it. He's like, well, I think I might still show, I'm going to all like, let you know, I'm still going to show it. And I was like, that's fine. You can show it. No one you're going to show it to is going to be able to sign for it themselves. They're all going to need a parent. So you can either get the money now. I have excellent credit. You can run it right now. And I can take the apartment. I can give you a credit card that won't bounce, you know, that you'll get paid on. I was like, or you could take your chances with an open house. But if you get anybody that wants this apartment, they have to make 40 times rent, 12% broker fee. There's no way they're going to have the money. Most people don't have good credit either. And I have excellent credit. And so he was like, he like took a second and was like, you have good credit. I was like, call them up, run it right now. And he was like, okay, I will. And then he did. He was like, you have excellent credit. I was like, I told you, I also make 40 times rent. And he was like, okay, let's do it. And so I was able to get this apartment before anyone else even looked at it because if he had run my credit and I had bad credit, he would have never believed anything else. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, credit is definitely a powerful financial tool. A lot of times that's it too. It's not about a mortgage. It it could be about renting somewhere. Right. And like you said, with the electric, I had someone call me the other day, they froze their credit because they had an ID theft issue. Then they couldn't unfreeze. And they're like, we bought a vacation home, you know, in Nashville and they're trying to (laughs) give us the electric. I was like, you have to unfreeze. Do you remember your pen? You know, and all those steps. It's not that hard to learn either. It's just learn once and, but you do need to maintain and stay in the know. That's why I love doing the podcast and online classes because things do change. It's hard to keep up. And that's why there's, it's always important to listen to an industry expert, right? Because I didn't know it changed to every seven days. And that's a vital, especially if you're in the process of buying a house, as you said, it's really important to know what's happening with your credit because it saves you money. Like it's that apartment that I got in New York city, the rent on that, I got it for $2,000 a month for a true one bedroom with a washer, dryer, brand new gut renovated, which in New York City is unheard of. Yeah, you hit lotto there. I hit lotto, yeah. And I was a good tenant. And when she got rid of the apartment, I think it was 2,300, 13 years later. Okay, wow. So it's a huge savings for me to be able to live in Manhattan and not get crushed on rent. That must have been a great time of your life though. Yes. You know, living in the city and uh, having the numbers and and doing all that good stuff. Good for you. Yeah. I love it. Now, what are you working on now? So I know, obviously, your podcast, any new exciting courses or what are you building out this summer? So I think what we're going to work on, we've, I've just seen a lot of issues with it. And so this would be our podcast audiences would be probably a little bit more related to their parents, but it will affect them. So I'm working on building out an estate course, mm-hmm. everything you need to know about estate planning within a certain asset level, right? So not above a certain amount of assets, because then it gets a little bit more complicated, mm-hmm. but I'm working on building out an estate course because my day job is as a CFP certified financial planner is I work with clients and those clients have a certain asset level and we always do estate planning. And I reviewed three different for estate planning firms, so law firms, documents, and all three had big mistakes, massive mistakes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when I, when I called every attorney about why, 
they're like, oh, the client didn't want that. And I was like, well, why don't we have a letter stating they declined it then? Because you're supposed, I, I mean, I have a fiduciary responsibility. I would think you would have a responsibility to make sure it was done to the specifications the client asked for. And as the expert, explain to them if they're declining something, the ramifications of that of declining. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I was very irritated. And so is the client. And the problem is when you go to a law firm, if they don't do it right, very rarely do you then hire an attorney, right? Well, what do you do? Yeah. Well, good thing you're their extra set of eyes. It also, that's how I learned to build new courses. I'm listening in the moment, what's happening, mm-hmm. what's happening, you know? And then I say, okay, this is what everyone's asking for because I'm seeing this problem. Then there's the solution. Yeah. And for our audience, people don't think about estate planning, but the thing is, if your parents don't do it right, you're going to go through estate planning 101 and it's going to be a terrible experience because you lose your parent. And now you find out that the attorney they hired didn't do it to the level they should have. Mm-hmm. There's another estate planning attorney that I know that's excellent. So I'm going to review everything with him before we do the course. But the thing is you go through an estate, that process, usually one time, right? You go through it with mm-hmm. your parent, right. hopefully. Hopefully you don't lose a spouse. Some people lose a spouse, right? And then they go through it by losing a spouse. Mm -hmm. But usually you're going to go through it with your parent and then your own kids are going to go through it with you. And the people that go through it with their parent when it's a disaster, then usually that's the impetus to say, I don't want my kids to go through what I had to go through. It took two years or three years. And and it's not that people, there's nothing wrong with paying the attorney. I think you're better off paying them up front and then making it easy mm-hmm. for whoever it is that your beneficiaries are. And then if you have a spouse, making sure it's set up so that God forbid you lose your spouse and you have a personal tragedy that you don't also then have a financial tragedy or nightmare. Like why mm-hmm. put them through a two or three year process? Right. The whole estate planning is your last love letter to your family in a way, Correct. you know, that you're taking that off the plate because there's so much more that has to, you know, that you have to worry about at that time. I think the big misconception is people think that you have to be like super wealthy to have an estate plan. And it's not true. If you own a home, if you own a home, you need to have an estate plan. That's as simple as that. If you, you have to have, if you own that home, you have to have a plan for it. A hundred percent. And I've looked at the stats for that of how few people have an estate. I mean, I can't think right now, but I, a couple of months ago, I was looking at it and I just couldn't believe, and I think it's out of fear. You know, mm-hmm. nobody wants to think about death, right? We don't want right. to be really thinking about it. And then let's add more problems to money. <laughs> so yeah. the two things that give us stress. And so I think that's why, right. And, and so then you have to course, see an attorney. And so then that's intimidating. And I will say, depending on the attorney you go see, sometimes they don't really take the time to explain it. They just kind of talk at you Mm -hmm. and then that'll be $4,500. And you have really no idea what's going on. You're afraid to ask because you're going to get another $500 bill for the follow-up. And so then, you know, that's like, if you go to a doc, it's just as important as your help. You go to a doctor, they're expensive too, but Mm -hmm. people are usually more comfortable asking questions. And I find a lot of times after the meeting with the estate planning attorney, the client's like, well, I didn't ask that. I figured we'd ask you. We didn't want to. Yeah. So, so that's the plan to work on that this summer and hopefully have it out by the end of the year. Oh, good. Let me know when you have that. I want to definitely share it because it's something, I don't know if any course out there talking about that. So that's great. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing I was like trying to think, as you said, when you're working with people, you think about like what the gaps are, what they're missing and how it can help. And I don't know of a really good resource. I taught a class at SUNY Ulster on estate planning 
but I had to supplement a lot of it because it, there's a lot in estate planning, but depending on where you are, there's like some basics you need to cover. And it didn't, it went a little far down the path of, Mm -hmm. so it got a little convoluted because it was a little overwhelming. We were doing a lot of concepts when you really just need to know, like, you just need to have a good foundation and then you can always advance. So I haven't found a good course either. So I guess we'll just build one. That's it. Yeah, that's awesome. And bring in experts. Like I love sometimes I have a first time home buyers course. Oh, I'm not a realtor. I'm not a loan officer. So, you know, I brought in some of the experts just to help with those. What's your top advice when it's time to pick your realtor or have the mortgage or, you know, uh, had some a paralegal on. So all different types to help build that out because I just wanted to talk about credit, but it's not just about credit. There are so much, there's other components when purchasing the house. And so once you have that knowledge too, because people are afraid to even think about purchasing and, yep. you know, th- they th- overwhelming and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be when you know what you're doing yeah. in the moment. My mom can't talk about purchasing a home because that was so long ago. So I needed current information, right? So I know that's the same thing. And that's why I try to refresh it every couple of years, because there's always something different. With the financial services in this arena of money, things change on a regular basis. There's always new rules. Yeah. So is that, is that your most popular course? What is your that most is. popular course? I would well, say first time home. I think that one is, it's kind of right behind it is credit 101. Okay. So it just depends. More credit 101 for a course, and okay. the home buyer is more a webinar, and that's free. You know, my webinar wow. is free. They're usually coming to me, though, because they want that home. I mean, that's I can talk to, about credit to thousands of people every single day, but most of the time they're thinking about it when they need it. And it's usually for the house. I don't want anyone paying extra for a car or anything, but sometimes when they do the math, they don't think it's that bad until they look for the home. And I think that's when it's really, really comes forward for a lot of people when you sit down to go get a home and they really stress the credit. They like look through everything with a fine tooth comb. Before that, you know, it's important kind of, but then when you go to buy a home and you're sitting with a loan officer and they're like, what's that $20? Why was that there, they like really go through everything right. with you and, and don't make any money moves while we're in the process, right? You can't right. open a new credit card. You shouldn't be yeah. moving funds from one account to another. They really stress the importance of it. I think when you go to buy a home, if you didn't know it was important, when you go to buy a home, they make it very clear. Right. So taking the, the uh, free first time home buyer, it's laying a foundation. So all the fear has to be gone when it's picking out the realtor, talking about credit, how far in advance. I mean, the more time you have, the better to look at your credit report, lower some balances, right? We live in a world that everything's so instant. So a lot of times I'll have folks say, well, I see that it's updated. My credit card got updated. I paid it three days ago. It's updated in your portal that you're looking at, not to experience transient right. Equifax. So that only gets updated every time they send the statement date. So it's one of those things that uh, it's all about learning and setting yourself up to save the most money you can when it's time to purchase that home. I couldn't agree with you more. I think education and building that foundation sets you up long-term and waiting till you need it like anything else, you know, the 11th hour, you're always better off planning in advance and being prepared and making educated decisions. Right. And that's another thing. Sometimes people will disagree with me and I don't care uh, that I say, get credit when you don't need the credit. Yes. 
because when you need it, you're in a panic, right? And then everyone, you're not thinking clearly about the interest rate or the, now I'm not saying get credit. If you're purchasing a home, we don't want you just getting credit before that. But also like right now, I'm not purchasing a home. So if I want to shop around and find that new credit card, that's going to give me better rewards. I'm going to do it now when I don't, I don't need the credit, but then having new credit can help your credit score later on, not in the moment, but in a couple of months from now. So, you know, playing that credit game and knowing those things. So get the credit when you don't need it. It's the same with finance. If you can't manage a thousand dollars, you most certainly can't manage a hundred thousand. Your financial abilities don't improve with your income or your asset level. If you can't make it on the $50,000 and a thousand dollars, you don't know how to handle a thousand dollars properly. You don't just get better by making more money. You need to learn how to do it at the very beginning so that when you do advance in your career and do make more money and do have more assets that you're prepared. So I completely agree. Yeah, definitely. And anything you're working on for this summer? Building out more of the credit training program okay. that I have. So I have that and we're we're just building onto it because there's so okay. much, just like I said, you know, there were changes just in April about medical debt. There are changes. People will think, oh, credit stays the same. It's not. And I Absolutely. feel like I talk about it a lot. But then I'll have people who are in my course say, oh, I didn't, I missed that episode. So I try to really talk about it like 20 times because then I know someone is going to hear the new information. So it's- And get it. Yeah, and saying the same thing, just different ways and different stories. And uh, so that's what we're working on all summer. Amazing. And then do you have a book that you would recommend or obviously your class is saying the first time homebuyer and credit 101. Uh, we'll definitely link. But is there anything that got you started in this? Was there something that when you were back and living in your parents' guest house that like really helped motivate you or you felt like was a good foundation for you? I will say I found out about the business self-help section of Barnes and Noble when I opened up my company. I didn't know about it. And then I found Success Magazine, which I'm madly in love with. And I really feel like as a business owner, because a lot of times you're your own board, right? You don't have a team. So like I need guidance and things. So when I was starting out, that helped me a lot before I could afford, you know, a coach. Coach, yep. So Success Magazine, I love. And I also, you know, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Rich, yeah. I love love that that. one. Richest Man in Babylon. All of a sudden, you start finding all these amazing books. And I I dive into those two every single summer. So they'll be poolside soon. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. Um, Well, this was so lovely to have you on and chat about all things credit and your impressive career of getting a business started. Coming from waitressing as a single mom, I mean, I think this is a lesson for everybody. If you decide you want to do it, you can put your mind to it. You can build it. Absolutely. And same with you. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us on Instagram for our most up-to-date information. And you can find us at Future Rich Podcast. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.